Hello, welcome. You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a bite-sized parenting podcast, a place you can find advice, understanding and support as you care for your small humans. I'm Siobhan Hunt. The last two years have been quite the experience for our kids. For most of Australia, those who were at school got a few weeks in before the Christmas holidays kicked off. Now we're heading into a new year. Your child might be starting school for the first time or going back after a year of disruptions. Either way, it can be an uncertain and unsettling time for some kids. Susanna Cass is an expert in organisational change, a mum, and a co-founder of the Epic Fail Game. This game is designed for humans aged five and older, and the game is a way of helping our kids deal with change and failure in a more creative way. Hi, Susanna. How are you? Hi, Siobhan. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. What inspired you to produce, make, create this card game? Well, there were a couple of things happening in my life at the same time that seemed to converge into this game. As you mentioned, I I am a mum and I do work in organisational change. So on one hand, I was dealing with clients who were being disrupted and saying to me, we need to work faster. We want our people to be more creative, more innovative. And at the same time, I was recognizing that, you know, their processes and systems weren't really supporting that kind of behavior. So I was helping them embed more fail friendliness into their culture, much like the Silicon Valley model, or, you know, as Mark Zuckerberg says, fail fast and learn and, you know, break things. Or, And at the same time, as a parent, I'm seeing and not really questioning at that time, that the way that we're parenting has gone so far the other direction. I think now it's called helicopter parenting or lawnmower parenting or snowplow parenting, if you're in that side of the world, where we try so hard to remove all the barriers and all the blockers from our children's paths that they never feel any friction or hardship. Mm. And for example, you know, we would go to birthday parties and every layer of past the parcel would have a gift or every person who races will get a medal or a participation award. And I guess none of this is is terribly bad because also I I do recognize that I was one of those parents because I (laughs) hated to see my kids suffer or fail or feel any sense of, you know, self-esteem bruising. But it came to a head when my four-year-old developed anxiety very suddenly. And it was... um, it was a physical manifestation, so we couldn't ignore it, and it wasn't hype. We we took him to all the specialists to rule out um, physical issues, and ultimately we ended up seeing a cognitive behavioral therapist for a period of time. And, you know, it was so eye-opening for me to go into that world and start reading those books about how our brains are wired how, you know, our mindset dictates our feelings, um, reading through the growth mindset with Carol Dweck, as well as other publications that really look at our children's brains as they grow at that age, and how the lack of friction can create anxiety in its vacuum. And so that's when, you know, I was working with this amazing designer, Yolanda, the other founder of the Epic Fail Game at the time. And we were discussing this anxiety in children and her son was going through a similar 
issue at school with sort of relationships and nervousness. And so we started thinking about tools that could help our kids. And we started designing challenges or ways in to have these conversations with kids. But our first iteration of the game wasn't even really a game. It was a set of challenges that was um, designed to torture our children effectively. <laughs> and it became apparent after a few times of trying to, to torture my own children as guinea pigs that they didn't really enjoy it and they didn't want to do it. <laughs> so after some going back to the drawing board, I remembered that when I found our puppy, we got a dog trainer. And the dog trainer came at great expense and gave us all the lessons and we ignored all of them. And <laughs> strangely enough, the dog didn't change. And then we got a new dog trainer come in who was pretty hardcore and she sat us down at the kitchen table and told us how it was. And that's when I realized this dog trainer isn't training the dog. She didn't even look at the dog the whole time. She was training us. <laughs> because ultimately it was our behavior that was broken. It wasn't the dogs. So yes. when we realized this, we changed the game and made it into a game, but we made it into a family game because we realized that, you know, for our children, role modeling failure, role modeling behaviors, and also creating the space for vulnerability, for failure in our family environment was what was going to make the biggest difference to the children. It wasn't the tasks or the challenges themselves. So we designed those to be fun, but all of the fun is based on an idea or a theory that will help shift the way that we look at failure, shift the way that we present our expectations around success, and ultimately give parents tools and ways in to, to start the conversation so it doesn't feel preachy and it doesn't feel like therapy. But I think it's also a skill I've been told that, you know, a lot of parents can get benefit from as well. Like we all could, could benefit from being a little bit less harsh critics of ourselves if we want to continue to grow, if we want to continue to learn, if we want to continue to try new things. We need to take a few risks from time to time. So I'm just wondering, it is a game and um, obviously there are times there's uh, the way the game works is you have the cards and they've got different challenges on them and then you also have day challenges or day cards. I'm not sure, sorry, what you call them, where in the instructions you say, look, if you get this card, set it aside for a time where you can integrate it into your day and you've got time to do it. Is that your way of trying to help parents extend what they're learning and doing in the card game to everyday life? That's right. So the card game is made up of 30 cards. And within the, the play in a group type cards, there are three styles of challenges. Um, and this is taken from organizational psychology theory. It's, it's broken into three challenges that are either head challenges, heart challenges, or hand challenges. The head challenges are rational you know, quizzes, tongue twisters. The heart ones are the ones that push you to feel vulnerable or to test your emotions with someone else in a social context. And the hand ones are just about making things and doing things physically. So some examples of that might be, you know, we have a, a challenge that is around how you can build, it's competitive, 
build the highest tower you can made from nothing but dried spaghetti and marshmallows. And and it's so interesting, right? If you Google this challenge, it's something that they've done and tested in boardrooms across the world um, with different audiences. And what they found is uh, hands down, children will beat CEOs or engineers at this challenge every time because children... They just go for it, right? And they try it. And if it doesn't work, they try something new. And if that doesn't work, they try something new. Whereas you get a bunch of CEOs in a room and they're all strategizing for 10 minutes. And then <laughs> they try to do their thing, but marshmallows and spaghetti sticks are really unpredictable. And then it doesn't work out. And then they go back to strategizing and their time is up. <laughs> so it's an interesting way to shift our perspective, but also to embed the, the training and behaviors. So you're right, though. We have some cards in there that we've added as a means to take the game away from the kitchen table and start to test our skills in real life because we can become, you know, really amazing at building marshmallow towers. But what does it actually mean when we are confronted with strangers or, you know, kids on a playground or people who aren't within our sort of circle of psychological safety? That's when we really start to see the effects or the the benefits of training our fail muscles, if you like, in the real world. So the other thing about all of the challenges, including the the practice on your own time, sort of we call them brave new day challenges, but the design is that you can sense your own progress, your own personal best in a way. And it's really by doing this over and over that you build the confidence to test new grounds. All of the challenges are safe and, of course, designed to be um, replicated by, role modeled by, or at least monitored by parents. So there is a sense of teaching them the skills through play like animals do as well, right? We play in order to, to build up the skills to take into the real world so that when we try it for real, it's less dangerous or it's less scary. And that applies to emotional skills too. It's so interesting because... I wouldn't have considered myself a helicopter parent, but every time I look at my daughter, I see she has this really strong competitive streak and she's so hard on herself when she doesn't come first or win. And it doesn't matter what it is she's doing. It could be the first time she tries something. And if she doesn't do it brilliantly, she's so hard on herself to the point where it alarms me because I think, where did that come from? And it can, when you talk about it that way and you talk about, uh, say, pass a parcel and everyone gets a prize or everyone gets a medal, I can definitely see that in the past I have done those things. So pass a parcel, yes, but I've never encouraged her to win at all costs. Where do you think that comes from, that idea, particularly in girls, I think, that you have to be good at everything? That's so interesting. I saw a documentary once on, I think it was SBS, where they were following seven-year-olds around. And this one exercise really stood out to me because I saw my children in this so clearly. They had um, canvases set up and the girls were, uh, and the boys as well, were given the task to paint the vase of flowers in front of them. And the girls started painting, the boys started painting. And then in the middle of their painting, a bell rang and they had to go and do something else. And in the time they were away from the room, someone came and splashed blue paint all over their paintings. And then they came back into the room and the boys were just like, 
meh, put it aside, started a new painting. And the girls were in so much shock. They couldn't get past it. They, they were so frustrated, incomplete, sort of catatonic <laughs> because of it. And I was really fascinated by that too. When do we start to embed this sort of gendered expectation on our kids? And as a female myself growing up through those ranks, I think there is truth in the, in the adage that, you know, men just need confidence and girls need competence. And I think that is something that strangely happens at a very young age. Thinking about the new year and the fact that kids will be going back to school and they have either, if it's their first year, they've probably had disruption in preparing for that year. And if they're going back to school, the years before have been completely surreal in terms of how much time they've spent at school. How do you see this game helping children to be brave in that situation? I think that when children are faced with um, new experiences and new situations, we can't completely control the level of anxiety that that's going to present them. And we can't control what they're going to be faced with, really, either if kids are going to be nice to them or mean to them. I think the only thing that we can hope to control is the home environment, making sure that they feel like they have somewhere to escape to if they've had a bad day or something to share when they've had a good day. So the work up to going to school or returning to school, I would say, is about, in part, talking about some of the feelings and some of the things that might happen ahead of time, and then um, role-playing outcomes. And we had a catastrophe wall at home where we would sort of look at, well, how bad was that really on a scale of one to the house burning down? And (laughs) also, you know, making sure that we, I, often talk to my children about my own failures or my own disappointments, you know, when this year hasn't gone that greatly for me, either being in lockdown, trying to work interstate and all that kind of stuff. So sharing those things regularly gives them permission to share their failures as well. Mm. I often hear, you know, that children, they try so hard to impress their parents. They often, they don't talk about being shunned at school or their friend not talking to them because they feel like their parents might feel sorry for them or be disappointed in them. But um, when I talk about those situations myself and, you know, put things into perspective regularly, I think that helps. The other thing is those conversations around simple changes in vocabulary, you know, talking about rather than just saying, how was your day or tell me something that happened today, we like to ask the question, um, what was your biggest failure today? And then we kind of unpack that and say, well, what did you learn from it? And what would you do differently next time? And often it's it's a bit of a, a funny conversation and we laugh about it a lot. <laughs> they're, they're no great failures, but just things where you kind of kick yourself or you, you feel like a bit of an idiot because someone you waved at someone, turns out they were waving at someone behind you or something like that. <laughs> so I think it's really about starting to prepare the groundwork to create an environment of psychological safety. So whatever they go out and face, that they know that when they come home, they can have the, the time and the, the presence to unpack it with you. Yeah, well, it has been um, an interesting few years. I really love all of the things that are in this card game. Susanna, thank you so much for your time today. 
Thank you, Siobhan. I'm Siobhan Hunt. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please rate and review us so we can reach and help even more parents. And if you have a topic you'd like me to cover, send your email to feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.